A marble tablet housed in the French National Library, measuring approximately 23 and a half inches by 14 and about an eighth by two and a half inches, um, has drawn significant attention in the recent months. Known as the Nazareth inscription or Nazareth tablet, it has been cited as a potential archaeological evidence for the biblical account of Christ's resurrection. The edict of Caesar, Caesar reads as follows. It is my decision concerning graves and tombs, whoever has made them for the religious observance of parents or children or household members, that these remain undisturbed forever. But if anyone legally changes that another per or char if anyone legally charges that another person has destroyed or has in any manner extracted these who have been buried or has moved with wicked intent those who have been buried in other places committed a crime against them or has moved sepulchre ceiling stones against such a person. In order, I ordered that a judicial tribunal be created, just as it is done concerning the gods, lowercase g gods, in human religious observances. Even more so, will it be obligatory to treat with honor those who have been entombed. You are absolutely not allowed anyone to move these who have been entombed. But if someone does, I wish the violator to suffer capital punishment under the title of tomb breaker. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the words were, that the worlds were formed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which are, do appear. This is Liberty Column with Caleb B. Brock. Hello, listener, and welcome back to the column. Today's topic is factor fiction. T today we will be discussing one of the most critical parts of this foundational worldview, and that is, is the Bible fact or is it fairy tale? So many secularists have essentially chalked up the Bible to be that of fairy tale or myth. But I, for, for those of you who are skeptical on the Bible, I have two passages I'd like to share with you. The first is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 21. Ye, verse 13 reads as follows. Ye, I think it 
meant as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up, to put you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed us, shewed us. Um, these two verses use the term tabernacle. In this context, um, the Apostle Peter, who wrote Second Peter, um, uses that term in relation to who he is, his his mortal remains, his 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 physical body. To continue on, verse 15, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord, and our, of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him with excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard, when we were with him in the holy mountain. We Verse 19, we also a more sure word of prophecy un, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto the light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first with no prophecy of the scriptures is of any private interpretation for the privacy for the prophecy came out in old times by the will of for let, I, I'm sorry let me reread that for the prophecy came not in old times but by old times by the will of men but holy men of God spake as they moved as they were moved by the Holy Ghost this whole passage provides us with an interesting dichotomy or just thought picture. The Apostle Peter starts off at the beginning of this passage with the, talking about his inevitable death and future death by, as church tradition would have it, crucifixion upside down. And the Catholic tradition specifically talks that the Apostle Peter was crucified not too far from where the obelisk in St. Peter's Square now stands. But it, the, 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 this, it, it, it just strikes me as interesting that when you have somebody talking about their death and still talking about this concept... They're willing to go to the grave and to their death for it. And still they're trying to keep you in remembrance of such a thing happening. I don't know about you, but there's not many people out there that will willingly give up their, their life for a cause that they 
genuinely don't believe in. That this passage also goes on in the last few, um, specifically in verse 20 and 21, knowing this verse that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not of old times by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That talks about not just the divine inspiration of God, but also the fact that this story would not have been written by, by the will of man at all. Because God's story makes absolutely no sense. Go, going back to the um, chapter of Hebrews 11, when I was about in my teen years, I was going to Ironwood Christian Camp as a um, camper, and their theme one year was based out of Hebrews 11, and their theme was nonsense. And their byword for the whole thing was, my life only makes sense when explained by faith. So much of what we do as Christians and in our faith comes from that, comes from faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. So there's one passage. The next passage is Jude verses 3 and 5. Jude only has one passage. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men creep crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into licentiousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. The, this is, these two are a few of many passages talking about this, but it, it, this passage in Jude just strikes me in an interesting way because especially when you read um, verse 4, it says, For there were certain men crept in unawares. These are the the these are people that you would think are the spiritual almost credentialed class. Now, before I continue on, I must make note that I'm not by any means accusing any pastor of doing such a thing. One thing that I am saying is that I would encourage every believer that believes in the Bible, that anything that is preached from the pulpits of your churches, whether you're Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox or, or, or Protestant, to go and to see if the, what the 
pastor or bishop is saying is actual fact. Because we will we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the inerrancy of Scripture in um, episode three, um, or is it episode four? I can't remember offhand. Um, but it, it, it is so important that we stay true to what the Bible says as opposed to relying on a man's private interpretation, which could cause us to sin and to deny, to forsake our faith. And as I said, there's numerous passages that warns us of this, as well as encourages us to always remember So, with that, let's, with, with, with this being a chapter or a series on foundations, it, it is critical that we accept the criticalness of the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Because in, this, in these first 11 chapters, we, we have the creation account, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we have the creation mandate of dominion, which is Genesis 1, 29, and 30. We have the, the an unavoidable curse of humanity, which I spoke on in the last episode, which a lot of Christians would call the fall in, um, in Gen Genesis 3. The creation of man and the inst instilling of consciousness in Genesis 2, 7 the first murder in recorded history in Genesis 4, just exemplifying the absolute evilness and, and debauchery of the human race. Then we go on to, and, and Gen Genesis 4 is the genealogy from Cain and Abel all the way up to no Noah's day, and in no Noah's day we have the great flood, which is recounted to us in Genesis six, seven, and eight. How else? And what? What? And when you read that story, it provides an incredible understanding on why you have such such set, set, set of sedimentary striations as evidenced in the Grand Canyon in northern, in northern Arizona here in the U.S. Because how could those layers be laid down, and how could, how, how could the fossils withstood the decomposition rates and pierce multiple layers if, according to geographers, only about an eighth of an inch or just over three millimeters of soil is formed yearly. It seems kind of logical that these things would just decay before they ever get buried with the slow millions of years of accumulated soil that just builds up. It, it, is, in, it is logically impossible for us to even comprehend or even understand that. Then going on to Genesis 9, the rainbow 
covenant to not flood the entire the entirety of the earth again with water in 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 Genesis 9 one interesting fact that strikes me in 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 a unique way is that the old flag uh, the old pride flag of the LGBTQ+ or as i say the alphabet community simply because i can never get the acronym right it changes seemingly by the day has only six colors not the seven of Roy G. Biv of the rainbow, but that flag has Roy G. B. V. Without the without the I, so it doesn't have indigo on it. It it just goes to prove how these men that creep in unawares seek to pervert the holy word of God. And then going on to Genesis chapter 11 in the Tower of Bible account, um, this is where we actually see the creation of what I term ethnicities, although the secularists prefer to use the term races, and the creation of language, because humans would not fill the earth as God commanded. To my political mind, it seems like this is the first instance of a what we would call a globalized society, a one ethnicity, one race, one language, one culture, all living together in a supposed utopia. The specific location of this was in modern-day Kuwait and southwestern Iraq. that it is so important for us to take all of this into account because if we don't then we have no basis upon how to explain why do we have such diverse languages and language families in the world but also why do we have such um such perversion of the truth of god's word in today's society, we have so many churches today that, despite clear Christian teaching, have allowed this alphabet community ideology to infest the church. And so, it's, it, it's just interesting to think about that. If we don't have... If, if, if we don't accept the first 11 chapters of Genesis, the entire Bible is a bunch of bunk. And within the first few books of the Bible, we, we have several instances where it's like, did God really do that? One is particularly talking about the... Um, ta talking about the route the children of Israel took as they left Egypt and were traveling to Mount Sinai. One of the um, in interesting information tidbits I came across was um, a particular path that went through the, or that was un that is under the Gulf of Aqaba. I think I pronounced that right. Um, it's over by between Saudi Arabia and Egypt. Um, it's called the 
Nuibia land path. On it, and as geological surveys would indicate, it is a portion, a strip of land that is submerged below water, but it is significantly more elevated, providing a pathway to walk from one beach to, to another. On the Egyptian side, the description of God uh, that God gives in the book of Exodus about them being hemmed in on every side, allowing for for Pharaoh's army to very easily corral and to have a pointed attack does exist. And in the in in on that submerged bridge, if you will, there are several coral anomalies with metal detector tests indicating that these anomalies are chariot wheels. If you would like to understand more and, and get visuals on kind of what I'm talking about, I will link a YouTube video in the description below that discusses this. Just look for the, the link pre preceded by link one. And another archaeological fact too, that is so interesting in looking at when asking the question, is the Bible fact or fiction, is just the unity of the Bible through the ages. It was written over the course of approximately 1,500 years by about 39 scribes or writers. It was written in three different languages, Hebrew for the Old Testament, Greek for parts of the New Testament, and Aramaic for the rest of the New Testament. And yet, these, despite these three languages, these three languages, these three writers, and this millennia and a half of time, it is one cohesive and coherent n narrative that does not change and that does not um, and that that just does not change at all. And yet, this lack of change indicates that there is one author. There's one author for this entire book. And in his name is a name that we don't know how to say, though we think it is Yahweh. Yahweh. And a third interesting fact that is kind of interesting, there has not been a single piece of real estate in the entirety of human history that has been so contested as the Holy Land of Israel is today. It was contested back during the Crusades. It was contested throughout G Jesus' time and, their and the church founding fathers, the apostles, and the first generation of Christians with, the, with a kind of back and forth between, the, be, between Israeli ze freedom zealots and that of the Roman Empire, it's, it's no, it's no different. So, so in, in, in review, we've talked about how evil and people want to corrupt the scriptures in Jude. We've talked about the fact that 
for those of you that are skeptics, people will rarely take something to their graves. If they do, then they believe it with all of their heart. We have also talked about and outlined the first 11 chapters of Genesis and how critical it is for us to understand what this, why we have to accept these as fact. Because if we don't, we quite frankly have no explanation besides that of Charles Darwin and his eugenic-like statements, which, which, to, to, which in recent history has raised its ugly head, particularly in Nazi Germany, in the eugenics programs that the Nazis implemented. Also, and just to, to the U.S.'s north, the great, the great maple, red maple leaf of Canada has implemented what is known as MAID, Medical Assistance in Dying Programs. If something is too hard for you, oh, you can, we, we can assist you in taking care, care of that by making you disappear off the face of the earth. And, and even here, here in Amer America, with our wanting to marginalize people that are weird by, by put, putting them in various cat categories, such as la labeling somebody with some sort of autistic syndrome or something of that nature. We're all uniquely different. We all have unique gifts. And it just goes to prove that we are created by an incredible God who has such an incredible sense of humor and, and just in, in, in interest in humankind. If you want to learn more about this concept of fact or fiction, Answers in Genesis has some incredible resources. My YouTube channel has a section on the homepage called Apologetics Resources with with their cha channels for further stu study. Their website is in the description below. Find links 2 and 3. And of course, all social me media and channel links are in the description below. This is Liberty Column with Caleb D. Brock. And, and remember, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Farewell and Godspeed. Thank you for listening. Please like, share, follow, and subscribe to the column for new content. Farewell and Godspeed.